This is RAF with Tony Tone and LA. Yo, what's up, it's your boy LA, aka the Love Ambassador, coming to you straight live and direct from the Jungle Studios. What? What? Uh, this is the final in the series of uh, evening series with LA. Uh, much love and support for the previous two we did on tattoos and the De La Soul recording industry. Um, a very heated topic at the moment, uh, still going on, in particular for the recording industry. Now, next up, and uh, the reason why I wanted to finish with it, is it's it's something which is highly important, but we don't really recognize, and at times are hypocritical on. So this, uh, first and foremost, is... Uh, Special shout out to Ron, uh, my homie, uh, be safe in India. We're uh, going to go see your family and enjoy your time there. But this was on request uh, from him uh, to do a, well, I guess like a little podcast on uh, global warming uh, and uh, climate change. And if you've got any requests, then you can DM me at the real LA21. I repeat that at the real LA21. Uh, if there's any subjects you want me to talk about, then happy to do so. So, yo, without further ado, let's get started. Uh, first of all, I'm speaking to you on this podcast, uh, obviously through a microphone and a laptop, which is probably powered by coal for energy. It is hot as old fuck in Perth, Australia, so I've got the air conditioning on. Uh, I've not on the liquor, ironically. <laughs> I've already had my beer and, you know, my other substances, you know, over the course of the weekend. But uh, the cup of tea that I've got sitting next to me is uh, powered by, obviously, the kettle. Uh, the milk is from the cows. And uh, I've got a plastic bottle of water next to me. So the reason why I'm saying this is not only to begin with am I a slight hypocrite by talking about global warming because I'm contributing it to now as I speak through this microphone, but it also goes to show the the difficulties that we that we face. So let us start the journey. Okay, so global warming and climate change, they're actually two things. Uh, global warming refers to the actual warming of the planet, uh, most notably since the 1970s. Uh, and climate change refers to not only the burning of fossil fuels, uh, being like oil and whatnot, but also the rise of the sea levels, um, melting of the ice caps, extreme weather, uh, and deforestation through agriculture and, and other means. Um, why is it important? Well, the, the, the climate is important for the growth of food. Uh, the acidic levels of the water are important for fishing. Um, forestation is important for the absorbing of all the CO2 and, you know, carbon dioxide, which we'll get into later. So it affects your livelihood. And also because the, majority of our body is water and in order for us to live we need clean water to drink um, if you're polluting your water supply uh, as what happened as we saw in Flint, Michigan 
in the States, uh, it causes horrific health issues uh, and in worst case scenarios, death if we can't drink clean water. So in terms of the recording, uh, because there'll be quite a few facts coming through, uh, and to be honest, I've had a little bit, a little bit dry to, to study this. Um, it's not my usual interest, but I'll try and present it as the best I can. And, and maybe it's, maybe it's kind of beneficial for the listener because you'll be listening to it and think like, fuck, I've got solidarity with this dude <laughs> trying to pull through. And at least the, the people other for or against will, you know, be able to tune in. So the modern day records, if we can call it, started in 1880. Um, in particular, I'm going off NASA. Uh, I know your flat earthers disagree with NASA, but for the majority of people, that's probably the best uh, science we can get in terms of credibility. Um, so since 1880, the records show that the the world's, the global temperature has increased by one degree Celsius, and I think it's about 1.9 degree Fahrenheit. Um, so why is that important? Because it sounds like nothing. Well, first of all, um, the difference between solid ice and liquid water is one degree Fahrenheit. So 32 degrees Fahrenheit for solid ice, 33 degrees Fahrenheit for liquid water. So if you actually go and Look at it from that perspective, global warming, when it comes to melting ice caps, actually starts to make more sense, right? So the next step would be, um, well, what's the difference with the actual ice age that people talk about, which was thousands of years ago? Well, yes, there is cycles. So over the last 650,000 years, there's been seven cycles of glacial events. End of the last ice age being about 7,000 years ago, mark the beginning of what we know as the modern the modern climate. What's interesting is that the ice age was only a few degrees cooler than it is now. So what ends up happening is that when people talk about one or two degrees, it starts to actually become important. The five warmest years on record have been since 2010. Um, and also the top 700 metres of ocean warming was seen a 0.4 degree increase since 1969. Uh, in terms of the, the North Pole, South Pole, Greenland melting, uh, between 1993 and 2006, uh, we've in Greenland lost 200, this is actually fucking mental, I can't even fathom these numbers, we've lost 286 billion tonnes of ice in Greenland, and in Antarctica, we've lost 127 billion tonnes, which you see in the TV, actually. I mean, even for the climate sceptics, you still see <laughs> massive chunks of ice falling off. So then, in, and again, in Antarctica, in the last decade, it's tripled, it's accelerating. So the sea has risen eight inches in the last century. The acidity of the surface of the ocean water have increased by almost 30%. Uh, the carbon dioxide absorbed by the oceans is increasing by 2 billion tonnes per year. Now, you see that uh, being Australian, you see that with the coral reefs in, in the Great Barrier Reef, um, which is one of our main tourist exports, and another reason how climate change can actually affect uh, the economy is through um, uh, ecotourism, which we're seeing. So then we go on to next, which is the greenhouse gases, which people 
talk about. Now, I'm no scientist nor no expert, but the simple way to explain it is basically the globe, the science, as our scientists explain, is encompassed within sort of like a greenhouse, and that's what keeps our our climate and our temperature and, and, and whatnot going. So it's broken up into uh, the main greenhouse gases come from uh, carbon dioxide, uh, which is sort of like the natural flora and fauna and, and whatnot, and then methane, which is the 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 rotting of well, the rotting of garbage, wastewater, a gas from livestock, and also sort of as we all know, burning of the fossil fuels. So what we're actually seeing is um, essentially because our population of the world is so big that in order to feed people and and provide energy and you know ironically like i'm reading notes of paper and in order to get paper they've got to cut down trees for me to write notes for this podcast um so what ends up happening is that like i said to you at the start of the podcast energy so the energy that's needed to run this computer the energy that's needed for your car um you know we we eat a lot of meat so we eat a lot of um beef for example here so cattle you know even the milk that i have in my tea sitting right next to me is from cattle and cattle emit enormous amount of greenhouse gases so five ways to try and minimize it um is to and this is where sometimes it, it gets harder uh for people for example if i'm being 100 percent honest it says eat less meat <laughs> right it's like you know Thanks, but <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, it, it's hard. Um, other things which are, I think, maybe easier would be uh, clean energy of the house. Uh, my father is actually a builder, so the next two I can, I can touch on. So you can, now it's the thing within Australia, because especially in Perth, there's like 300 days of sunshine a year. You can now use solar panels, um, which obviously during the course of the day can generate a lot of energy uh, and then use that energy for your house. Um, the other one which is very important is insulation in the house. Now, when I say insulation, to explain it, when you build a house, right, so you you start off with your foundation, right, which would be your, your concrete slab, and then you build using timber the frame of the house right so your your wall that you see when you're looking at it is like the aesthetic of it um and the structure and the strength is actually in the timber and the steel reinforcements um now when they say insulation it's it's like um they're basically sheets of foam for lack of better expression and what it does is it it it, it, it traps in sort of the heat and the energy, right, or, or the coolness to a certain extent. And what that does is that, because otherwise what would happen is if you don't have insulation in, you just lose all the, <laughs> all the heat or cooling or energy out of the house. So that becomes enormously important because that reduces the power that you need because if you were not to have it, let's say, during the winter, then the heat wouldn't stay in the house, and then you need to burn more energy in order to have more heat because the heater has to be on. 
Um, the other things as well would have to just be in terms of travel. Uh, so the reason why when you go and you book a flight, why they've got the carbon dioxide reduction is not necessarily the fact that it's a scam and you know the airlines are trying to get more money off you. It's because it's a huge contributor to um, greenhouse gases because of long haul flights. Now, that might not mean too much to you if you're living in I don't know, Europe, for example, and you're going to fly from London to Norway or London to Berlin to get your socks off, you know, because apparently there's a good nightlife there. But for people in Australia, it does mean a thing because, for example, if I want to go home to see my, my family, they're 2,700 kilometres away. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a long flight. It's the equivalent of distance from flying from Oslo, Norway to Algeria. Um, so then, you know, sort of advice would be how would you travel? But again, I kind of put that more within sort of the eating meat section where that's a harder thing to do because whilst you'd love to take the moral high ground of, of um, you know, lowering your greenhouse gas emissions, like what's I'm supposed to turn to my mother and say, I'm sorry, I can't come home for Easter or Christmas because I'm trying to save the planet, <laughs> you know. Try telling a Polish person that, honestly, that'd be very difficult. Um, and then the, the fifth thing, and I think which is more important, uh, and something I think we can all do, is monitor the energy that you're using. So don't leave your lights on all the time. Um, Instead of using the dryer for your clothes, like hanging outside overnight, um, certain washers, you don't have to use the washing machine, you can just do hand wash. Uh, now in Australia, they've banned plastic bags uh, at the supermarkets. So simple things like that of, um, you know, carrying a, one bag to the supermarket. Um, being aware of um, how much how much energy and power that you're using and also like i said like look at how your house is set up it's a bit more tricky for example with me owning a rental property but if you own your own house then yeah look at renewable energy um look at some of the waste like if you've got a garden for example or even if you've got like you know a couple of pots at your, at your apartment like can you use anything that you've got for mulch or for compost or anything like that and I guess maybe try to be aware of what plastics you're buying. So, for example, like I used to buy uh, 600 ml bottles of water and buy like 24 of them instead of buying like, you know, let's say five big bottles of water, you know. And so then there's elements like that we can use reduce your, your plastic intake. Also, um, with your lifestyle, I mean, for example, do you have to drive everywhere, you know, I walk, for example, so I could quite easily drive around the corner for breakfast this morning and, you know, drive down to the pub. You probably would drive down to the pub for multiple beers, but say for like, you know, one or two beers sort of thing. Um, but instead you can walk. So there is elements of like that. Um, the next thing is that, you know, of course we'll have things like the Kyoto and Paris agreements, which we'll get into later. And to be honest, I think for the scope of this podcast, it's probably more complicated, and I think you should probably read that up yourself. Um, but the next step after we look at, at greenhouse gas and climate change and global warming is also 
rubbish. Now, rubbish is something for me, I think, where rubbish and overfishing is something where I get more on board with. Uh, and I know that people critique me for it, but I guess my thinking is more so the fact that Australia is, you know, 20, 25 million people, let's say, right? Give or take. <laughs> Give or take a mil. <laughs> so whilst our emissions are quite high and we export an enormous amount of coal, which I'll, I'll get into a bit later, even if we were to go to, let's say, a 1700s lifestyle of, um, of uh, horse carriage and candles and, you know, like turn everything off, our contribution as, as a country, even if we were to take the ultimate moral high ground, would be utterly minimal uh, in comparison, again, because of the population of the world is like 7 billion people or whatnot. So there, but there's certain things that, you know, I appreciate the global warming and definitely feel like we have to do something about it. But things like rubbish and overfishing, I guess that's where I get more, more passionate about it, I guess you could say. And your opinion is your opinion. I only try to provide facts and at least some form of different arguments for people to have a look at it. See, rubbish is a major thing, in particular plastic. So I still to this day kind of disagree with how we've packaged everything in plastic. I mean, surely if in, this, in, in this day and age of technology, um, can we not find something <laughs> you know, better for the environment? I mean, we can. I can get on the phone now, and I can call my homie in Swaziland and have a conversation with them, and have a video call with them face to face on real time. We've got the technology to do that. This will go around the world. We've got the technology to do that, but we keep using plastic. Now, why that is that important? Well, it's important because there's literally they found hundreds of miles in the Pacific Ocean of garbage patches. Even in the Atlantic Ocean, they've found miles and miles of plastic. I mean, you look at you look at places in supposed sort of third world, you know, quote unquote, and look at how the garbage disposal there is just, you know, it's horrific. Like, and there's a lot of disease associated with it as well. But it's just plastic sort of everywhere. Um, they think there's about, since... Since uh, about 7.8 billion tonnes of plastics being produced, uh, China used to buy majority of it actually as recycling, but now they've since stopped. Um, and half the size and the growth of plastic has been since 2004. So what's what's interesting when you read about this global warming is that it's like we're supposedly more green but the statistics are shown we're accelerating everything like a motherfucker, right? So that's what's also even crazier because, like I said, you know, I'm sitting here talking to you in this microphone looking at a plastic bottle of water. Like, you know, it's it's all around you. So I think people need to be making more of a conscious effort of how they're buying their products, how they're manufacturing the products, the demand that you're putting on the manufacturers, right? 
not being so blasé about it. Like, yeah, okay, it was good to start with no plastics in the supermarket, but let's start with no plastics in, in what's being manufactured. Like, what's easier to recycle? China's now turning around saying we can't account for it, and they were absorbing an enormous amount of, um, of plastics from around the world. They were taking, you know, enormous amount. The other thing as well is overfishing. Um, you know, like... Shark fin soup is pretty popular, but they're estimating that 100 million sharks are dying a year. Uh, you, I saw it when I when I was within you know Tanzania in in East Africa and Lake Victoria overfishing as well. Um, I saw it in parts of uh, of Scotland as well, where the EU was saying to uh, where my grandmother grew up, you can't fish in the local waters anymore, and this was uh, this was changing. Uh, from a personal family perspective, something that they'd been doing for the last, like, 700 years have been fishermen, you know, and they had, like, a subsistent farm, subsistent fishing set up that was, you know, just a little bit to sell to earn a bit of money and, you know, knew the different areas within the North Sea that they were doing, you know, and that's that's to change, up. The other thing that needs to be aware of is the... Who's part of the solution? And actually, I think that, like I was saying before with Australia, how we, we, we need to be conscientious and try to do our bit for it. But the main ones are like China, India, and, and the US. I mean, China's responsible for, for about a quarter of the global emissions. India's an 83% increase from 2000 to 2011. Um, are they trying to change it? Yes, India's aiming to have 40% of its power from non-fossil fuels by 2022. Uh, China, I know um, from the international trade that I'm in, that they're trying to, in certain instances, reduce um, reduce the pollution. Um, because I, even, this is now 12 years ago, I was in Xi'an, China, and I remember that the sky was yellow from the pollution, and I'd only ever seen that before in Mexico City. But you literally walk around and your throat is like absolute, like razors. It's like someone's slicing your throat <laughs> every time you're walking around just to just to get a bit of dumpling action. So, you know, I think that they also will be making a, having to contribute more and be more aware of it in terms of the overfishing, in terms of maybe how they're addressing um, recycling. And then the issue as well for us is that, not only how do you hold those countries accountable, but the the biggest problem the West has is that they kind of got there first through colonisation, which of course it was a horrible thing. But what's what the problem is is that they have no right to turn around and say, "Oh, we in the Western world have our two cars and everything's electronic and." You know that you can't have it because you're going to ruin you're going to ruin the atmosphere. So then you've got like two and a half billion people turning around that want to, for lack of better expression, modernise and have the same thing that everyone else in, that they see on TV in America has or Australia or whatnot. So in order to do that, like the contribution to the energy required and the pollution and the the steel, for example. I mean, this will come back to, I guess, sort of my, one of my final points is that 
you know, I'm in the the movement of commodities. That's that's the the job that I do, and that's why at, at times, you know, like I have to try and be careful in in how I'm saying it, but also I guess sitting in the front seat of moving commodities, you you have a different viewpoint to those that are more so observing it or reading in the books. So, for example, coal. Right, so the coal that used to go to China, and, and, and then everyone was saying, "Well, try and reduce the global emissions." Well, what they did is they moved the factories to to Vietnam, so all the coal goes into Vietnam, and then they move the power through the goods back into China. So they've shifted it. Um, India still absorbs an enormous amount of coal and energy, and then you would say, "Well, Australia needs to pay, take the more high ground." Like they're talking about in the papers today when I was reading with. Um, emissions and no emissions and they should stop everything they can. Well, iron ore is worth $60 billion to the Australian economy. So the people that are calling for it, that are living in their comfortable homes and have their health care and their education and their defence and whatever is ironically being paid for by iron ore. And then, as I know, through construction, like you need steel in houses, you need steel for the car that you're driving to go to the protest or the tram that you catch into the go to the protest, right? And then coal, for example, coal is our biggest export. So if Australia turns around and says, no, we won't uh, export coal anymore, well, there's still Indonesia, there's still Colombia. And in fact, what people don't realise is that China itself has enormous amount of coal reserves that it uses internally, right? So you just shifting the buck <laughs> if you don't do it. So then you can talk about new technologies, right? So the new technologies uh, are things that I'll try and quickly go through. So you've got uh, solar energy, uh, which is non-polluting, uh, so most abundant energy source available systems last 15 to 30 years. High initial investment dependent on sunny weather, but you need supplement energy during low times as well. Uh, and requires a large physical space and limited availability of polysilicon for, for panels. Wind energy, uh, no emissions, affordable, little disruption of ecosystems, relatively high output. Of course, you need wind. <laughs> that's, that's not good for all locations, and you need extensive land use. Hydropower, natural gas, you know, we've addressed. But the problem with hydropower is um, what happens if you have a drought, and it's also expensive to build. Um, then you've got obviously your coal and uh, uranium and, and power plants, right? So there is different energy available. So what we're seeing now is that even if coal was to stop being used, um, uh, batteries like, you know, now the renewable batteries, which require things like lithium, now Australia's starting to export lithium. So what you also see is a natural shift in the way that countries do business because all they're doing is supplying the natural resources for what it is that the world is uh, requiring. So I was asked by Ryan to also touch base on that coal issue as well. Uh, and so, yeah, that's why I wanted to throw in a bit of two pence in the sense that, yes, Australia's major export is coal, but, you know, <laughs> you know, with that being rude, brother, they're kind of uh, powering the air conditioning in your mum and dad's home, mate. So <laughs> throw, throw up some solar panels, buddy, and, uh, and change it around. And then, you know, we'll start exporting lithium to uh to change it around there um so yeah like i said it's it's a difficult subject to talk about um 
I think our parents' generation still don't kind of really, you know, some do buy into it and some don't. Um, others try to say that the models are unreliable and there's no consensus and it's a myth and, you know, hurricanes aren't linked to global warming and glaciers are growing and 1934 was the hottest year of record and increasing CO2 has little no effect, you know. So there's there are people that are trying to put forth counter-arguments, but at the end of the day, you know, all I can do is really go off, off what science is and because the, the majority of people, you know, that are science, science is, is saying that that is happening. How we answer it, well, I think that's really reliant on... I don't think it's really just the individual because you can try a bit to kind of help out, but it really has to be the countries with major populations... You know, like if you've got 100 million people plus in your country, you know, or 80 million plus, like you need to start seriously implementing, um, you know, renewable energy. You need to start looking at your waste management. You need to start looking at how much plastic that you're consuming because it will have an effect. Now, at 33 years old, <laughs> maybe at latter year it will come in to be even more relevant, but if we're not focusing on the youth, um, then what are we really doing? And, and and if you want to be selfish, who's going to be taking care of you in the nursing home? It's going to be the young kids. So if you go ruin the planet completely and, uh, you know, you want a hot, hot cup of tea, mate, they might be saying, fuck off, Grandpa. <laughs> You've ruined everything for us. And you just don't want that. So I'm going to end the podcast like that. Do it for the youth. Try to do your bit for your environment. And, uh, yeah, if you've got any requests on uh, podcasts at the Real LA 21 or at Random Attractive Friends as well, uh, send it through. DM. Peace.